0: You know, people are sort of they—they they, they, you're sort of like a cult leader when it comes to your field because they have shubistas. I've heard that. Time. Have
1: you heard that term? Oh yes, yes. The, the, the large group uh, is a Facebook group, um, and I think it's it's uh, taken off partly because um, many young people, you know, like to be on the left, but at the same time they're sort of uh, realistic about the world, and so shoe pieces are like like uh, Sandinista or. Something a little bit radical, but it's about charging fair market prices for curb parking and getting rid of government regulations and sort of policies that some people would would have thought unusual to support. But when they think about it, um, they realize that the policies I recommend, which is charging fair market prices for on street parking, not like the free parking you got on Grand Avenue, <laughs> some of the most valuable land on earth. Mm-hmm. And you probably drove around hunting for it. And then, I'm lucky. And, and, and uh, so I think we should charge fair market price for curb parking, by which I mean the lowest price the city can charge and still have one or two open spaces on every block. So wherever you go in the city, you'll always see one or two open spaces. You can't complain there's a parking shortage. And the second thing I recommend is to use that money, to, uh, the meter money, to uh, finance public investments on metered streets. So that'll fix the sidewalks and plant street trees and uh, uh, fix potholes and things like that, only on the streets that have the meters. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing I recommend is remove off-street parking requirements. When you think of those three things, sort of a triangle of things, they're... They seem a bit conservative, but but I think that a lot of people come to the agreement that it would be strangely transformative. The city would change quite a bit, and in the way they want it to change. So that it will be housing will be cheaper and parking will be more expensive. Uh, we'll have more reason to ride bikes rather than cars, or or even uh, use bikes to. To go the last mile on a trip, a number of students uh, coming to UCLA, where the parking is uh, uh, $12 a day, they'll uh, drive their car with their bike to about a couple of miles from here and then bike the last mile or two. Um, So I think that uh, a number of people uh, can see that this uh, um, market-oriented reform Will fit whatever they're interested in, whether they're concerned about air pollution or global warming or um, energy consumption or traffic congestion or air pollution or high cost of housing. A lot of things, I think, are caused by free parking. Uh, free parking and all the, um, uh, all the way we twist ourselves out of shape so that parking will be free. Hmm. It seems
0: to me like so much parking isn't free that it never it's sort of counterintuitive to think that it, the problem is free parking. Can you? Can
1: you well, you parked free on I your did. way to UCLA. Uh, uh, Whereas $12, if you paid for parking at UCLA, it would be $12. So, why is it $12 at UCLA? Well, it's partly because... We can't get anybody other than the driver to pay for parking on a campus. So at Berkeley, where you were an undergraduate, parking was expensive. There's a state law saying that the university cannot use anything other than parking revenue to pay for parking structures. Mm -hmm. So that $12 reveals how much it really costs to produce a parking space if the driver has to pay for it. and so I think campuses are one of the few places where almost everybody expects to pay for parking because they can't expect somebody else to pay for it. Say, say I'm um, uh, on a new committee to advise on the uh, new zoning code for Los Angeles. One of the first things of in the invitation is how to get your free parking when you go down for the first meeting. And it, here at UCLA, we had a, a uh, recently uh, a wonderful new program called the Grand Challenge, where UCLA is going to respond to the challenge of sustainability for Los Angeles and make sure that we're, we're energy self-sufficient and self-sufficient in water. I think by 2050. But the very last line of the invitation was: complementary parking is available to structure five. So I think that uh, we have a long way to go before people realize that most parking is free uh, say uh, national surveys uh, look at all households found that ninety nine percent of all drivers park free at the end of a trip so you uh, you're a school teacher you know mm-hmm. that the l a uh, school district provides free parking for all teachers, mm-hmm. often taking playground away mm-hmm. to provide that parking mm-hmm. so the free parking is more important than playground for the children you're teaching does this rep is this sort of symbolic i mean
0: if we start having to pay for parking is this just sort of a foot in the door so that so that you know everything that's like parking will also I don't eat. think
1: so. I, uh, I think that parking is the exception. Uh, most people are used to paying for what they, what they get. Well, like you know? meat. I, I feel like
0: meat is subsidized. Like your
1: iPhone. Uh, you don't expect to get that for free. Uh, <laughs> some people say it's un-American to charge people for parking. I think it's very American to charge people for what they use. Uh, we didn't become a great nation by being a bunch of freeloaders. But when it comes to parking, everybody wants to be a freeloader. Everybody wants to park free, including me. And that will never change. Uh, but I think that some cities have found out how to create the desire to charge for parking, and that is by giving the meter money to the uh, metered neighborhood so they can pay for public improvements in their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Have you been to old Pasadena in Southern have, California? Yeah, it's pretty, right? Very pretty. Yeah. Well, 30 years ago, it was a skid row. It was uh, a commercial slump. People thought it would never revive. Um, But there were uh, wonderful buildings in terrible condition. Uh, And the people there had a vision of what it could become if it were restored, but they had nobody to pay for replacing the sidewalks, putting in historic street furniture historic street lights, cleaning up the alleys, planting trees. So they really stymied. And then the city wanted to put in parking meters, and the merchants on the property said, no way. It'll chase away the few customers that we have, even though most of the merchants and their employees parked on the street in front of their stores and complained about the lack of parking. Finally, the city said, well, if we put in the meters, we'll um, uh, we'll spend all the money on public improvements in old Pasadena. And the merchants said, that's different. Why didn't you tell us that? Let's run the meters till midnight. Let's run them on Sunday. Let's charge a high price. And they um, uh, put in the meters and they borrowed about $5 million against the future revenue to rebuild all the public infrastructure in old Pasadena. And even then... After paying the debt service on that of about 400000 a year, there was still $700,000 a year to pay for added public services on a daily basis. They steam clean the sidewalks twice a month. They sweep the sidewalks every night. They remove graffiti every night. They have extra Christmas decorations and things like that. So the people go there like you went there. You know, that's wonderful. You don't get that in many places. Well, what they did was... I think what I'm recommending, which is charge for curb parking, return the revenue as added public services, and effectively they removed almost all all street parking requirements so you could open up restaurants and stores without parking. See, no, in L.A. you couldn't do that now because, uh, say, Westwood Village, which is also a historic district and, and a much richer area, is falling apart. Sidewalks are in terrible shape. Uh, uh, street trees are dead, uh, partly because uh, the meter money goes straight downtown, disappears into the general fund, and nobody has been paying a whole lot of attention to to, uh, to fixing up Westwood because they don't have their own source of money the way Pasadena does. I think if if every neighborhood in L. A got its own parking meter money to pay for its own public improvements, you'd see huge improvements in a lot of beat-up areas. Hmm. So I'm you wouldn't get to park free on Hillgard Avenue uh, because that money would go to pay for added public services around the campus. Uh, some of the sidewalks are, are in terrible condition uh, all around L.A. Um so I think that there are a lot of benefits that would flow from this trio of, of policies that I'm recommending. And it's often, I think, younger people, you know, once they hear it explained, and don't take that much longer than it's taking me to explain it to you, they say, "Oh, well, I see what you mean. Um, I guess I'm not against the idea of charging market prices for parking. Um, I think it will help poor people. People who are too poor to own a car will certainly benefit because um, – they won't have the cost of parking thrown into everything they buy. Say, when you go to Ralph's or um, uh, any grocery store, well, the parking is free. I mean, you say you seem to pay to park everywhere, but you don't when you begin thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you go to the the movie theater or grocery store, well, who does pay for that parking? Well, um, uh, just because you don't, Pay for parking doesn't mean the cost goes away. The cost is still there. It's just paid by somebody else. So that somebody is everybody, including you. Uh, whenever you ask somebody, uh, do you want to pay for parking, you'll say no. But then say, do you want to pay for somebody else's parking?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's even more of a no, I suppose. Um, but I think the desire in the desire to park free, we have saddled ourselves with paying for everybody else's parking, which is particularly unfair to to people who who too poor of a car or getting back to your bicycle audience, people who mainly bike places. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why should I, if I bike to campus, (laughs) pay for parking for somebody who drives to campus Uh, or to school, say, I don't know exactly where you teach, but you drive to campus and park free. Uh, Why shouldn't they charge you? And... um, uh, Turn this, the, the playground over to students rather than to parking lots. Um, and, uh, uh, and the money that they get from uh, charging for parking could go to, to, to benefit the school rather than the drive only the stu- uh, teachers who drive. And free parking at work is an invitation to drive to work alone. Right. We, we all have that invitation just about everywhere we go. And I think it's, 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 not, it's just not fair. I mean, that's the way I first began thinking about it. There's a lot of empl- 95% of the people who drive to work in Southern California, including you, part free at work. And I began looking at that, and uh, there was a, uh, the first research I saw was by, by a couple of students at USC in graduate school. And they compared two um, office buildings of the Civic Center. One was a federal building federal government building, and one was a, um, the county building, or a county building. The L.A. Civic Center is the second biggest government center in the United States. You know, it's got the county, the city, and the school district. There's so many government offices there. Well, the county gave free parking to all its employees, and the federal government didn't give anything to anybody for parking or any kind of transportation. And at the, among the county government employees, seventy-two percent drove to work alone. Among the federal employees only forty percent drove to work alone. I mean they're the same profession, same location, everything was the same except that you got free parking or not. Mm-hmm. And I began looking at that, and I thought that the county government is very unfair to people who bike or walk to work or take the bus to work. People who are too poor to own a car don't get anything, and the drivers get a big subsidy that might be worth $150 a month. Mm -hmm. So forget about air pollution and traffic congestion and global warming. I think it was just unfair to give free parking to drivers and nothing to bicyclists or pedestrians or transit riders. Unfortunately, the county has changed that now. They give a, a a, a transportation allowance of the same amount to everybody. You can use it for parking or transit or you can keep it. So I think it's, it's a much better idea to say that if we're going to subsidize any kind of transportation, we ought to subsidize everything equally, hmm. regardless how you get to work. Say, but now I suppose if if you if you bike to your school, they wouldn't give you anything extra for that. I
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, one of my students uh, uh, had a girlfriend who. who worked at a law firm downtown and she moved into a new apartment building uh, downtown and the student said that she thought he thought she was overpaying for rent um, and she said, well uh, I work for a law firm and they either give me free parking or a 150 dollars a month um, if I don't take the parking so I thought I would uh, live downtown and use that as a rent supplement. So it not only changed the way she got to work, she just walked three blocks to work, but it changed where she lived uh, just because we said, well, yes, you ought to pay for parking. In this case, you could still get free parking, but if you did take it, you lost $150, so that's like paying for parking. Right. It's sort of an end run around charging for parking. I call it parking cash-out, is that you can cash out your parking subsidy. Um,
0: So... The picture of how things would be different if we started paying for parking. Mm-hmm. Is it, it seems like it's more—it's uh, more than most. It's more dramatic than most people would imagine.
1: In the long run, it would be slow. Not much would happen right away. There'd be less traffic congestion, air pollution, uh, because people wouldn't be driving around looking for parking. Everywhere they went, they'd see one or two open spaces on, on the street. Uh, But in the longer run, I think we'd have um, uh, cheaper housing and more of it, uh, uh, somewhat higher density, more people bicycling and walking wherever they want to go, more people staying in their own neighborhoods um, and uh, going to local grocery stores. um, uh, In a place like L.A., uh, more parking means less housing, say, on a site. The parking is competitive with, with housing on a, on a small site. Uh, so I think that uh, minimum parking requirements and zoning orders, say you have to have two parking spaces for every uh, dwelling unit or apartment in a multifamily building in L.A., um, we, could, we could call that the Affordable Parking Act, you yeah and uh, it means we make we make parking more affordable but housing less affordable and i think that that's we it's a very bad idea we made huge mistakes but but the upside is we can stop making these mistakes it isn't it isn't like being in a poor country where you don't have anything you know you're very resource poor we just have to stop doing bad things in the united states i think that's that's one of our strengths, is that we, if we can just stop doing the bad things, <laughs> the country will be in much better shape. Hmm. Can you describe your biking habits? Uh, well, I bike to work uh, on most days. It's not heroic. It's only two miles. Uh, but it's the best part of my day. Um, uh, one of our students, um, a Ph.D. student, uh, now teaches at Clemson University, did a very clever uh of research for his dissertation, that he managed to get on a national survey, question uh, how much, how to what degree do you enjoy your time in transport you spend in transportation on several modes, whether it's whether you're on a bus or a, a driver of a car, a passenger of a car, uh, walking or bicycling. So it was how happy you are during that time, and guess which one turns out to be the the happiest time. Is it biking? Yes, <laughs> that's right. And I, I think that's why many of us do bike, because we like it. I mean, it's sort of self-selected. Those who do like biking mm-hmm. are the ones who are doing it. Sometimes we feel a bit smug about it and, and, uh, and uh, preening about, well, I'm good for the environment. But I think most bicyclists don't do it you know, for other people. <laughs> I think we do it for ourselves. Um, and I think after bicycling and walking was the people were happiest and then a car passenger and then a car driver and the last was a bus passenger. Uh, I was the least happy <laughs> time in transportation. Yeah. So I think that uh you know I I bicycle less for long distances than I used to, but it's a, a wonderful g- way to get to work, especially in this climate.
0: And like you said, you're like one of your students drives with the bike. And that makes parking a lot easier, too.
1: Yes. uh, Not easier. It makes it cheaper. Mm -hmm. See, they have to work more if they park a couple miles away and bike, uh, but they save money. People will do a lot to save money on parking in terms of changing their behavior. They'll carpool or they will uh, park farther away and, and, and walk farther. There are a lot of ways you can save money on parking.
0: I I think most people have not given
1: this any thought. I think that's why I've been lucky is that I've. uh, I think parking has always been so low on the uh, status level for academic research. (laughs) I mean, it seems. I mean, it would be the joke of the least interesting thing you could study, and I think most academics would have thought it's you know below their radar level uh, that they. They just wouldn't think of it. They think of it as a personal issue, the way you would, um, but they wouldn't think of it as a policy issue. And I think that for a long time, I've just had the topic to myself as an academic. Now, fortunately, a lot of younger um, planners and economists are realizing that this is uh, the single biggest land use in cities. Parking is the single biggest land use. Um, and it has a huge impact on just about everything else in society, and there's very little research on it. And things are it's easy to change. Uh, San Francisco has bought into these ideas. They have a program called SF Park where they have uh, 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 sensors um, about the size of a hockey puck at each on the street parking space um, for about seven thousand parking spaces in San Francisco and they uh, uh, these sensors detect the presence of an automobile above it by measuring the change in the earth's magnetic field, and they uh, send that signal to city hall. So the city has, in real time, information on the occupancy rate of every block. And they have new parking meters, which L.A. also has, that can charge different prices at different times of day, and different prices on different days of the week. Hmm. And they, for the past now, more than two years, every about two months, they've been adjusting prices up or down depending on the occupancy rate of the previous you know, period. So if the uh, if spaces are half empty on a block, you know, before noon, they have three time bounds from uh, start to noon, noon to 3, and then after 3 p.m. If the uh, in the morning the prices. If, if the occupancy is is too low, they nudge the price down automatically. Nobody, the city councils don't make decisions. It's done pretty much by a computer. If the spaces are all full, they nudge the price up. And if the spaces are one or two open spaces on every block, then the price stays the same. They've been doing that for two years. And slowly, the, uh, they're, they're getting to the point where they want to be, that there's... Um, more and more blocks have one or two open spaces. On average, prices declined uh, because they were so overpriced in the morning. Not that many people seemed to park at meters in the morning, but the price was the same all day long. So the prices went up in the uh, midday and afternoon and down in the morning. On average, they went uh, they went down by one percent over uh, two years. Um, and there's less double parking. You don't need to double park if there's an open space. There are uh, fewer parking tickets. You don't have to park at a, by a fire hydrant or at a bus stop. Um, um, there are a few uh, traffic accidents because there are not many people driving around, uh, hunting for parking. Uh, it's better for bicyclists because um, if you're bicycling in traffic with uh, when you know, many of the cars are hunting for parking, they're not paying 100% of their attention on the road. They're looking uh, for a guy with a key in the hands, going to a car door. Mm -hmm. They're not paying attention to bicyclists. Uh, They almost always turn right at a corner um, uh, if there's a stop sign. and uh, Sometimes they hit bicyclists there. Mm -hmm. I think that when you think about it, uh, twisting our cities out of shape to, to 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 make life better for cars makes life worse for bicyclists. Um.
0: Hmm. I, I feel like I would have to study this a little more to really like get a grip on it. I mean, it's really... You have to know a few things. I mean, it's not are like, you yeah.
1: on Facebook? Uh huh. Well, have you joined the Shopee Society? Okay. People post things, oh, maybe four or five times, or more often, I guess, per week on uh, things on the web that of, of interesting things. <laughs> There's quite an interesting uh, new scheme uh, uh, now at LAX uh, and a number of other airports. Uh, was it? Airbnb? I've never used it. Have you? No, but I've heard of it. You know what it is. You can rent some, an apartment, a bedroom or a whole apartment in somebody else's house. Um, mm-hmm. And now it's, it's going, gone to cars. You can rent somebody else's car. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, uh, I think it's a couple of very young guys on the East Coast uh, came up with this new scheme where... You could rent your car to somebody else for uh, a short time or up to a few days, and they now move to airports. And you, When you go to the airport, instead of paying for parking, you turn your car over to this uh, uh, um, organization that rents out cars for short times, And they rent it to somebody else Mm. who's just arrived at the airport, probably, and they could rent it several times. So if you're going to be away for a week on a trip, you could leave your car, pay nothing for parking, and when you get back, they wash your car and deliver it to you immaculate. Hmm. Um, And um, they insure the car for a million dollars in case of any accident, uh, 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 pay for any damage done to the car. Um, so they get paid by the people who are renting the car. And so they, they get money by renting out somebody else's car. <laughs> <That's lame. laughs> it's very clever. And it reduces the demand for parking at the airport. So I think if you were uh, going on a vacation, and uh, you might be able to rent out your car in <laughs> LAX and rent somebody else's car in Chicago. Isn't that clever? I mean, there's so much sharing going on now. They, they call it the sharing economy. We have bike sharing. I mean, the the idea is you don't have to own things. You, you can. It's now more possible to share things. And bike sharing, of course, was one of the first uh, big examples of this. Is that people are willing to uh, to rent something for a short time.
0: Mm-hmm. So what else? What else is going on that's uh, inspiring to you?
1: Oh, oh, tons of things. Yeah. Let's look at the shoe Shoupista site okay. <laughs> and see, see, see uh, people, you know, the, the problems are pretty much the same all over the world. Yeah, let me see. Same thing about um, Facebook. 1,700 members? Well, here's this thing about Parking Panda and Flight Car. Parking Panda is, a, is an organization where you can rent out the parking space at your house if you're not using it. Uh, and anybody else can, can rent it. And the Parking Panda uh, gives you 20% of the, of the revenue and it takes 80... No, no I'm sorry. It gives you 80% of the revenue and they take 20%. And mm-hmm. now... It's operating with flight car, the people who rent out the cars, and so that let me see, here's somebody, here's the same thing, some flyers now rent out their cars at airports. Here's a post I think is very good in New York City by Rachel Weinberger, she's a, 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 an academic there in New York, and she's saying, what we ought to do in New York, we've got a new mayor, have two things, one, eliminate minimum parking requirements, and this will. And here's a picture of a of, of a block that was uh, before the city required. The houses were built before the city required parking. It looks like a very nice block. Mm-hmm. And now the city began requiring parking. You see that they have set back the buildings, and every front yard is turned into a parking lot. That's
0: terrible.
1: Uh, where would you rather walk on that street or with with no parking uh, on both sides? You went on parked at the curb, and then in front of every house. And then she says that let's get rid of cruising uh, because hunting for parking, did you find your space right away or did you have to look I for did. it? I did. I happened to. Hmm? Uh, yeah. I got You lucky. lucked out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But normally you wouldn't be able to no? on Hillcourt Avenue because, you know, 25,000 students would be competing with you for those 100 or so spaces. Yeah, uh, I've,
0: I've cruised at UCLA many
1: Times. Well, that's right. Uh, we And she said uh, charging the right price for curb parking, which I'm talking about, say, one or two open spaces, would eliminate a lot of that cruising you have done many times. I mean, you, you, we've all done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we uh, did a study of that at, at, uh, in Westwood Village, a little 15-block area next to the UCLA campus. And we cruised ourselves for parking to see how long it would take to find a space. Did uh, observation, we, ev- we started doing it with cars the way everybody else does. Then we got out, did it on bikes because the average speed in cruising is only about 10 miles an hour. So you could uh, go to a destination and circle the block until you saw a car going out. It'd be just as the same. Um, cruising behavior as if you were driving a car. And it was only about three and a half minutes to find the space, on average, uh, over the year, uh, over a couple hundred observations. And um, that's only two and a half times around the block or uh, a half a mile of cruising. And that's not too much to save $2. Because uh, you save quite a bit, you know, right. by parking at the curb. But we all want to realize we'd save money if we could find a, a meter not open, but somebody leaving. And uh, so that was an interesting uh, observation. And then I calculated the number of cars that park at the curb in Westwood Village during a day. And if every one of those cars had, had driven the same average length of time that all of our observations showed, for us, if they really were a good uh, estimate of the average. That was 3,600 vehicle miles of travel a day. That's more than a trip across the country in Little Westwood Village caused by people like you and me just driving around hunting for a space at the meter. Mm -hmm. And over a year, that's equal to almost a million vehicle miles of travel, which is four trips to the moon at 10 miles an hour. (laughs) And all because the price price of parking was too low. See, if they had nudged it up, in the afternoon, in the evening, so that there were one or two open spaces. Uh, that would have eliminated cruising. And they could have nudged it down in the morning. The meters started at 8 o'clock, even though most of the spaces were empty, and the meters should have been free then. Um, so I think that uh, there are a lot of benefits that will uh, flow from this. Uh, and uh, especially for cyclists that... Uh, they, they won't see a dramatic uh, change. That nothing <laughs> will produce a dramatic change in transportation. It's just as well that the changes aren't rapid. But they'll be changing in the right direction. Do you have a uh, – what's your history? How do you come
0: to be where you are?
1: I uh, was well, born in Long Beach. Uh, uh, my father was in the Navy, so we moved around a lot, I think, uh, uh, I think my only claim to fame is that I was living in Honolulu when Pearl Harbor was attacked. (laughs) It was my earliest memory in life. (laughs) There's not anything you're going to forget. Fortunately, my father's ship was out at sea uh, that day, and it wasn't sunk then. Uh, But then we, like most Navy people, we moved around a a lot. Um, And uh, I thought everybody did. Uh, lived on Guam and uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and Alexandria, Virginia. And, and uh, after I got my PhD, I came here for a postdoc. I, I'd actually done uh, uh, work on the economics of the land market, and I think parking is land, and I think that's how I really got interested in it. Is it seemed to be that we allocate parking so differently from any other kind of land. We give it away free to cars. uh, And we have high prices of housing and free parking for cars. And I thought, well, we've got to prioritize the wrong way around. Uh, So I think there are a lot of benefits from um, uh, making us a less parking-centered society. So people like you could not park for free on a trip like this, and you couldn't park yeah. free when you drove to work either. But uh, there'd be less traffic and less air pollution, and uh, uh, the you'd get your income in a different way instead mm-hmm. of free parking. So you,
0: you, we wouldn't see all the people on the freeways with uh, how many how many fewer single people in cars would we be seeing?
1: Well, uh, one of the things uh, that I've been lucky at is, is having ideas turned into legislation, and one of the f- first uh, uh, laws about parking was California's parking cash-out law uh, that employers who rent parking spaces and give them free to their employees, and this is something that your, your listeners might be interested in. Mm-hmm. If your employer offers you a free parking space at work in a rented space, um, and your Employer has more than 50 employees. That employer is by law required to say to you, uh, If you don't take the parking, uh, I'll offer you the cash value of the parking. So if you're working in Century City and the parking is $250 a month in the building that you're working in and the employer says you could have free parking, you could ask the employer, Said I'd rather have the $250. Mm-hmm. And this has so uh, helped bicyclists quite a bit because bicyclists, you know, they, they, um, they're they a community and they talk to each other <laughs> and they hear about things like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary rides bikes. I forget his – have you run into him? Yeah. Gary? Gary Kavanaugh? That's right. That's right. He he worked for uh, he worked for a company in Santa Monica, and he told his employer there is this law, and uh, his employer uh, listened and looked at the law and said, "Well, we should offer you parking cash out." And he said he gets something like seventeen hundred dollars a year as, in extra income, wow. and okay. a lot of his fellow employees have begun riding bikes. Of course. So uh, so. Uh, that It's called the parking park, park cash out law, and not everybody has heard of it, but um, uh, I think things like that, that can be explained in a reasonable way. It doesn't harm the people who park free. It doesn't take anything away from them. It just says that you have to to make the subsidy um, broader. You can't say, I'll give you free parking or nothing. See, that's against the law. Hmm. If it's a rented parking space. So this was a state law,
0: um, California. There seem to be a lot of people who, who states. understand Some what you're talking about. Looking at the your, I'm, your I'm not sure whether other states have passed it. Like I,
1: hope that, I wish the federal it. government would get in on it, but it's hard well, to get I in on th- Well, I, I think they general. do. Uh, and they, they teach me a lot through the, what they post on, on their website, okay. uh, and many of them, I think, have come to agree, uh, and I think that's certainly my goal. Especially in, a, in an interview like this, is that uh, maybe at the end people will agree. My God, he's right. I guess. What he? What? Come in. Come on in. Why oh, here? one of my students. Okay. I've got a paying customer. I okay. Guess, so <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks a lot. Well, this has been fun. I hope I haven't uh, no. uh, just given you too much. But, uh,
0: There's no such thing. Yeah. <laughs>